All right. Welcome, everybody, to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, Whole Shop Motorhomes, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. Also, a special shout out to Whole Shop Motorhomes for jumping on board to sponsor this one. Whole Shop Motorhomes is a UK specialist motorhome dealer for motorsport transport. They specialise in garage motorhomes and race vans that are suitable for a wide variety of sports such as motocross, enduro, karting, mountain biking and more. Obviously, check out the Commander Motorhome that's especially good for anyone in the motocross industry. So check that out online on their website. We also have an article on our website at MX Vice and our MX Vice YouTube channel. So check it all out to see what you're in store for there. It's an amazing product, an amazing company. So thanks again to them supporting us. All right, for this episode, we're joined by the MX Vice Stats Master, Paul Pearcey, who's been doing some absolutely incredible work all year for us, creating that extra content for us on the MX Vice website. The stats have just been absolutely amazing. The fans, the media, you know, the industry really enjoying it, especially the Australian Supercross series. have been enjoying that too, mate, when you've dived into that arena so how's life and thanks for joining us yeah yeah thanks for having me on i'm 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 really grateful for it and you know just like every other day just sitting here working my butt off just trying to trying to get ahead of the new season so oh mate it's been incredible the progression you were mentioning before off air from when you started sort of just getting into the stats not that long ago into where you are now and you know teams and riders are loving it sharing it commenting on it you know it's pretty cool mate it's so cool to see your success all the hard work's definitely paying off. So I guess what are some of the keys to your success, would you say, mate? And just hard work's definitely a key cornerstone behind it, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there's weekends where between a Saturday and Sunday, I'll come home and I'll put 26 or 27, 28 hours between the two days. And I'm just typing away on my laptop. Uh, I guess the probably the biggest key is just having a very patient wife. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, just... Uh, that and having a really big passion for it. I just, I, I love the sport. I love seeing the numbers. I love being able to, um, you know, earlier in the year we were going back and forth and I was really hammering hard on, on Jan Pankar to you because it's very clear and evident that you can see his progression through the years, just, just looking at the, at the spreadsheets and the numbers. And he's just been doing an awesome job getting better and better. You know, it's, those are the things that I really like to dive into and see. And it's just tangible evidence that, you don't have to watch a bunch of races to see you can you can just look at the numbers and know that this rider's making steps forward each year and he's just getting better and better and better and you know to me those are fun things to see and you know i mean um there's countless riders that you could do that with i mean next year i can't wait to see uh what malcolm stewart does because his 2022 season was a big step up from what he had before with with consistency and podiums and and you know I, because the big story is Jet Lawrence and it's Eli Tomac coming back and it's Chase Sexton on a new bike. But, well, hang on. When you really look at the numbers, Malcolm Stewart took a big jump forward in his consistency and just being there week in and week out. I believe, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I, I believe he had the third best finish percentage for main events. I believe that's true. I'll have to look that up. But, I mean, it's it just, he he's just made such a great career progression from the lightning speed that we saw when he first got on a 450 and it was, you know, big crashes and big speed like his brother. Now he's just a lot more consistent. And, you know, I, I really can't wait to see what he can produce in the 2024 season. Oh, man, it's going to be fascinating seeing how he goes, actually. And speaking to JT the other day, he was saying all the guys in the Husky camp and that Alden Baker, 
sort of framework there and just saying how fast he is. Everyone's chasing Malcolm. He's a second, second and a half faster than everyone. Christian Craig's no joke on a supercross track. So obviously the flying at the test track sort of banter gets thrown around this year around everyone. But they were like, yeah, Mookie is genuinely flying. So hopefully he can translate that into a massive season and just stay healthy because he's so great for the sport and his skills are just amazing to watch. And I'm pretty sure they will make some pretty good strides with the bike. So well said, mate. It's really cool to see how it'll play out for him. And I guess just talking back to, you know, your stats work, mate, what was some of the catalysts for, I guess, bringing it to life and pulling the trigger to start compiling all these stats? And also, how do you find the time working it in with other jobs? You've got a couple of other jobs as well, mate. So you're a very busy man, but you're obviously pretty masterful on the time management to get it all done. Yeah, no, I just, uh, well, like a lot of us that are listening to this podcast, you know, I raced motocross growing up as a kid uh, and my body is not in the greatest shape. You know, I've, I wake up and there's mornings I have to, I, I can't stand up out of bed. I got to roll out of bed and kind of, you know, take, take five or 10 minutes to fully stand up and start walking around the house. Uh, so I, I, I work in the construction field. I, I build fuel stations for a living and I, my body's just not doing the greatest. So a little over a year ago, I really started trying to figure out what I could do to get out of the field and start maybe doing some office work. And biggest thing was, you know, I had to, I had to be great with Microsoft office. And the biggest thing was Microsoft, Microsoft Excel. So Christmas day last year, I went and bought a course to learn, start learning Excel. So 51 weeks ago, I bought an online course and that, that, that was the first time that I opened up Excel. And we just kind of, as I was starting to learn it, I figured, well, the best thing for me to do would just be start building. So, you know, I, I play uh, fantasy for Supercross and motocross. So I thought, well, I'll just start building spreadsheets for that so I can get better at that. And it, it just started kind of, you know, unfurling and, and just kind of growing from there. And, and it, you know, it, it was just really organic, just started from nothing. And, you know, I, I had no idea where I was going with it. I was just trying to learn something new and, and, you know, good Lord, here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. The progression, mate. And I guess from your point of view, how good are stats to sort of add that extra layer of understanding and interest to the sport we love covering and writing about and doing podcasts about it definitely adds that extra bit of impetus to it doesn't it mate obviously you can extract so much from the eye test but having that like you said the tangible data is just a massive boost and i'm pretty sure like we've been saying off air the numbers on the website and the stats and the social media engagement from everyone from writers to teams to the fans they definitely enjoy it and adds another excellent compartment to our coverage of motocross too mate so is that what sort of draws you into it mate just seeing the progression and the stats and how they stack up and it could be from one race or like you said over the course of multiple years yeah yeah i mean it's it's you can see so much more from the data, from the numbers. I mean, you know, you get to the end of the season and, and you go, well, this rider finished fifth. Well, why did he finish fifth? Well, it's going to take you a lot of time to get through all those races and watch them all back. And then, you know, the the 30 seconds or a minute that, that a rider might be on camera isn't enough to really understand what's happening. You know, you can see the riding style. You can see the position they're in. You can see whether they're comfortable or not. But, I mean... Uh, like I mentioned Malcolm Stewart earlier in 2022, he was tied for third best finish overall at the end of the season with Justin Barsha at a 4.882 finish. Um, the only guys better than him were Anderson and Tomac. And, but since he missed 2023 with injury, nobody's thinking about it. So we can go back and we can look at that data and go, hang on, wait a minute. This is a guy that we need to watch coming up in the next season. You know, it just... It to me, it adds so much more interest and so much more information that you can gather and look at to go, oh, hang on. I really didn't think about that guy, you know, because he wasn't right in front of me. He wasn't on the camera 
Um, or maybe a guy a little bit further back, you know, a, a guy that's in 10th place or whatever. You don't really see that guy much. You don't really hear much about him because he's intense. But if you go look at the data, maybe he had a lot better year than you thought, or he had a better average, just however things worked out, he ended up 10th. Um, those things are really exciting to me because it, it, it really brings more people to the forefront and, and really showcases how great some of these guys are. I mean, you know, I, I mean, who, who would remember that Marvin Muskan got six podiums in 2022? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, the guy's a great rider, you know, but he missed all of 2023 and now he's retired. But I, you look at the numbers and you go, man, you know what? That's that's why KTM kept bringing him aboard, because, I mean, he wasn't on the box every weekend. Um, he, he finished outside of the top 10 once in 2022. But I mean, he really was a great rider and he was great for the brand. I mean. Once you get him talking on a podium, you can't get him to stop like most other French riders, you know. So it just it's he he really he really is a great rider. You just forget about it if the numbers aren't right in front of you because you know it's basically out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, it sort of shines a light and just yeah, it just gives you so much more insight and intrigue to get it going. And I guess for you, probably the MXGP 450 championship was probably a perfect case in point with Febra's six GP wins, obviously average overall finish, more or less the same as Prado's just in that sort of low threes. And obviously Prado only won two GPs. Jeremy Seal won three GPs, so he won more than Prado. So that's definitely a testament to how interesting the stats are and just how consistent Prado was this season, wasn't it, mate? He just managed everything so well. Obviously, the qualifying race built a strong foundation for him to manage the weekend so well, but he was still riding like an animal to get those results. And I guess the average first lap position sort of put him in the position a lot of the time, 3.63, which was so impressive. And then the top three in laps led, he was obviously 2.19, February 181, then Jeremy C was 62. So those laps led her in the first moto was so much more than the second moto for Prado as well, which was interesting. So many awesome takes takeaways from MXGP too, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at what you were talking about, I mean, the uh, the second race average finish, I mean, Jorge Prado was third best, you know. Roman Fevre was was over two positions better than him uh, for an average, and Jeremy Sewer had a better average finish than him. In the overall uh, finishes, um, Roman was better, you know, better overall throughout the whole year than Jeremy. He just missed, what was it, one round? Yeah, he, he missed mm. one round. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of different, well, and then obviously the qualifying races had a little bit to do with it because he, he scored more points in those as well. Um, but yeah, no, the just having a look at the numbers just just really brings out so much more of the series. Um, you, you just, you can dive so much deeper into it and and there's there's so much more there to to look at and to understand. And, and there's a lot of things that are shocking. I mean, he won the series. Nobody would ever guess that that Roman and Jeremy were better than him in second motos throughout the whole year, you know, for an average. I mean, that's to have Jeremy C were better than him as an, in an average in that is just, it's kind of shocking. Like, wow, how did that happen? And then you go back and you look at the numbers and go, oh, okay, I guess it's starting to make sense. It, it, I mean, it still doesn't make sense. Like how, how did that happen? But you know, it's just, it's, it, it's very, very interesting. You know, it's, it's, it, it really gives you something more to dig into. And to me, I just can't get enough. I mean, off season, what off season? I don't care. I I want to learn as much as I can. I want to see as much as I can. I want to so that way next year I can be that much smarter. I can see that many more things coming. And you know, I just it's to me it's just it's 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 exciting. It's exhilarating. It's I just love everything about this sport so much that it just it just gives me something else to dive into and something else to really latch onto and and learn. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well said. It's so cool seeing all the storylines and then marrying them up with the stats. And I guess the MX2 World Championship with the Damo only getting the two GP wins like Prado. Obviously, that training camp with him and Smets is just working wonders. They're just so consistent. They turn up every weekend. They're there. They get finishes. And the mindset of them is obviously we don't have to win every race. It's a long season. If someone passes me, I remember resonated with me when I've spoken to Adamo a couple of times just how he would say I don't need to pass him back instantly I don't need to do anything silly thinking bigger picture which is impressive for a man so young and on that Red Bull KTM factory team in his first season there that have that sort of disciplined approach was very impressive and like the stats you produced were just saying yeah two GP wins average overall finish was 3.42 the best of anyone so he got it done just on consistency and same amount of wins as Langenfelder and it's sort of you feel sorry for Yago, don't you mate obviously won eight GPs but the injuries cost him like they have so many times in the past and he was yeah no doubt the fastest guy but you just got to piece it all together and Prado and Adamo were perfect cases of that weren't they mate and the stats bear that out as well yeah I mean you go back and you, and you look at the uh the season end stats for the MX2 class and Simon Langenfelder and Yago Geertz led everything yeah. every single category except overall finishes and what yep. you really think about it, it's crazy i mean yago had eight gp wins adamo had two adamo still had the better average finish it's kind of crazy but i mean you, you you look at time practice simone and yago were both better qualifying races simone was better qualifying race first lap position you know damo and that isn't even in the top three i mean there's just so many different things that you can look at to just go wow like that class is so inconsistent it's so crazy the one guy that didn't get hurt and was the most consistent really did win that it's it's not always the fastest rider it's the guy who shows up every single weekend and really puts his best foot forward is the guy that's going to win the championship yeah absolutely mate so it sort of just makes for like you've got that body of work now to look back and the stats and refer and you can sort of always look back on them and just, you know, see how riders developing or, you know, progressing, regressing. There's so many cool things to take from it, mate. And yeah, you've certainly covered it all in depth, mate. And I guess, I don't know how you found the time, but what are some of the other sort of stats from across the series, across the globe, really? You've covered AMA series, MXGP, the Aussie series. World Supercross is a little bit of a different beast. We were mentioning just with the way the stats are delivered and the numbers you have available, but it's pretty cool that you cover so many bases, mate. There must be so many cool stories that you've sort of uncovered throughout the year, like you've mentioned Mookie and Yan Pansar as well. So any other ones you'd like to particularly shine the spotlight on? Uh, well, you kind of put me on the spot there. I, I was in the middle of taking notes and then I got sidetracked because the wife came home with groceries and this and that. And I didn't have time to write down all the notes I wanted, but I mean, it's just, those are the particular ones. Uh, and then like Malcolm Stewart, obviously is one that I'm, I'm personally closely following. Cause I just, that's one of those things that most people aren't looking at. They aren't thinking about just like everybody else. I'm looking forward to chase Eli and then jet coming in, but you know, those are just, to me, those are the big headlines. And I'd, I'd really have to take a, take a little bit longer look at things uh, before I really have a, a better idea of, you know, who's coming up and who's going down. I've been so focused on just, putting putting the numbers in putting the data into the sheets that i haven't taken a step back to look at it in a while no nah, that's all good mate it's awesome it's going to be really cool and obviously you're going to be going to a1 as well aren't you mate so you'll be making the trip so you should be treated to an absolute sort of feast of racing there it's so unpredictable all the classes are just so hard to pick across the world but especially obviously that 450 class the lawrence brothers tomac sexton ap ac christian craig mookie dean wilson and obviously prado as well mate so on top of many more blossom Nichols on the beta 
it's going to be pretty hard to make that top 10. I guess it's going to be awesome for you to see Prado's first 450 Supercross race. And it's going to be a big step, isn't it, mate? Well, obviously, a lot of the guys from Europe do the 250 route first, like we see VR doing. But obviously, he's a 450 MXGP champ. He's not stepping back down. So he's sort of rising to the occasion and going to enter that cauldron, mate. And you'll be pretty just excited to soak it all in, mate, and just enjoy it because it's going to be a pretty amazing A1, which is coming up very fast indeed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the tickets that me, my dad, and my son got are literally right at the exit of the first turn, too. So that that should be pretty exciting to watch. Prado, uh, whole you know, shot. Thing, yeah, yeah. Well, and then also our seats are right at the exit of the first turn, but also we're looking right at the last corner and and, and the face of the finish line. So those would be really good. But, you know, another thing that, that's kind of fallen through the cracks that people aren't thinking about is that Ferrandis is going to have his first race on a Honda as mm. well. So that should be really interesting to uh, – to watch and he's working with factory connection suspension which is you know that's that's who he really started to find his stride with in the outdoor season that's who really got him comfortable on the yamaha so you know it, it there's there's lots of little storylines that'll be absolutely fun to to really dive into and watch and and uh and really just kind of geek out and, and just be a big old nerd with you know yeah, what are your expectations for Prada? Obviously, you follow MXGP closely like me as well, mate. Obviously, the starts is a key thing for him in that sort of arena, getting out there and getting some fresh air. And obviously, it's interesting, you know, is top 10 too much to ask? I was talking about this with JT the other day. You know, I was saying Dean Wilson's going to be around that marker. He sort of, you know, strived very hard and toiled pretty hard to get top 10s last year. So it just shows how stacked the class is. Obviously, he's just come off winning the Aussie Supercross series. He's cutting a sort of refreshed and revitalized figure. But, you know, with Prado, you know, there's one thing riding and then racing Supercross. Is it too much to ask to get a top 10? But Wilson's a notoriously bad starter, JT was saying. So Prado's got that edge on him there. But whether he sort of adapts well to the racing, obviously he's a very safe rider, intelligent, smart, makes great decisions. And like we said, the starts and he adapts well to different tracks and differing situations. So it'll just be really good. But I guess anything in the top 10 would be a pretty good reference point. And I'm guessing at this point, everyone's assuming he'll go full-time in 2025. I think that's the logical course, unless this three-race stint goes badly, isn't it, mate? Yeah, yeah. And the point that you made just now about about Jorge being a uh, a very safe rider, which is the same point that Lorenzo made a few weeks back, which I love listening to everything Lorenzo has to say. That guy's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, but I think the big thing, biggest thing for people to remember is that it's one thing to ride Supercross. And I, I have no doubt that Jorge Prado can ride Supercross just as good as anybody. But racing is much different. Jumping the jumps is much different than racing the jumps. When you're racing, and I think JT made this, you know, this same exact point. When you're just jumping the jumps, it's you can find a, a really nice rhythm, a really nice flow. When you're trying to race through them, you're trying to stay low, you're trying to carry momentum through the jumps. That's a lot harder to do on a supercross track than it is on a motocross track. On a motocross track, there's a lot more flow to it. You're not spending so much time in the air. You can focus a lot more on, on the riders around you, on the track, whereas on a supercross track it's so much harder to folk to to keep everything else in mind because you're so you have to be so laser focused on being precise that actually physically racing the track can be can be quite tough and and that's where the guys that have been doing it for multiple years are going to have the the edge on them because they know how to race a supercross track it's you know it's uh scrubbing jumps and getting the power to the ground is is very obvious you know all the great uh dirt bike riders know how to do that but doing that on a supercross track and keeping your focus and having that that precision 
lap in and lap, and lap out on a track that's obviously like just like motocross tracks they're all changing they're always dynamic um but on a supercross track there's it, it's so much more active it's so much more busy it's 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 a lot harder to do that and that's going to be the most the most interesting thing to watch with Jorge Prado is can can he race it along with everybody else i have no doubt that that he can easily get a top 10 he has the speed. He has the precision. He has the technique. He has the talent for sure. But it's staying focused and and being precise for 20 minutes or 20 laps on a supercross track is just so much different than it is on a motocross track. That's going to be the interesting thing to watch. Um, I through through A1, I'm definitely going to have my phone out and I'm going to have the the live timing app pulled up and I'm going to be watching to see how much those lap times vary because. Jorge is, is very, very consistent. He's, you know, very good at those things, but it's a much bigger task in Supercross, and that that's just going to be the fun thing to watch. Oh, absolutely, and I guess you have another subplot where you've got fierce competitors like Barsha and Anderson, especially, and even someone like Webb. They won't be afraid to sort of unsettle him. He's only doing three races, so if they get aggressive, how does he cope with that? Because that's another sort of element that he's probably not overly used to. Obviously, he had some awesome battles over the time, and he doesn't mind holding people up. He's a very good defender in position. You've seen countless battles with Hurlings, especially the Tushintail, one that ended in disaster for him a little bit there. But yeah, how he mixes that up, because, you know, it'll just be cool seeing a guy like Barsha and Prado on there essentially teammate battling it out because i'm sure there'll be a time where they'll be coming to a case where do they bang bars or does he go clean on him mate so that'll be pretty cool to see at a1 in person as well oh i you know what i am here for the barsha prado battle because those two guys can hold hold people behind them better than anybody um and and i think a guy like barsha might purposely get aggressive with prado because you know he wants to establish himself like hey you know you might come over next year but this is what you're going to have to come up against. And I'm going to put you on the ground just just, just to kind of give you that warning shot across the bow to say, hey, man, this is our territory, not yours. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And yeah, I was really interested to see what you said about Ferranderson. Obviously, he's, you know, he seemed happy again, doesn't he? Obviously, he seemed a bit restricted and he just wasn't happy with the star Yamaha by the end of it. So I'm pretty sure he's happy for a fresh start. He's on the O'Neill gear. He's got the five gloves, which is a French company. So he's happy to be sort of, supporting them and wearing what he wants to. So I guess we'll be interested to see if that framework translates into results for him because he's obviously an amazing rider, Supercross and outdoors. We've seen what he can do, but just that 450 Supercross hasn't quite worked out for him, mate. So I guess if you look back at the numbers, which we'll probably do in the future, it'd be quite fascinating to see, you know, compare his 250 and 450 Supercross because it's definitely not been a case of translating it over at all because obviously the 450 class is massive, but usually... He would have expected better, and he's not one of those guys that likes lose. Like he was always angry with thirds and fourths and fifths because he just wants to win. So he'll be coming in, you know, pretty laser focused to get the best results possible and to put himself on the box from the outset, won't he? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I mean, you look back at his last two years. In 2023, he obviously missed a bunch of time due to injury, but in the last two years, he's only got one podium on in 450 Supercross. Um, now, granted, five. Uh, I'm just trying to count how many races he's actually done. I think in in the last two years, I don't think he's actually done a full season with 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 both years combined. Um, I think he's one or two races short of of actually completing seventeen rounds of Supercross in between twenty two and twenty three. Um, so I I think for for Ferrandis, the biggest thing is let's let's get through the series, much like AC was last year. You know, CNC Rulo came into the year just okay. Let's stay healthy. Let's just get through the whole year. I think for Ferrandis that. 
that may not be his goal, but maybe that should be his goal. Mm. Hey, you know, we've had a lot of injuries. We haven't been comfortable on Supercross. Let's just let's just try for consistency. Let's just consistently be there every single weekend. And then, you know, towards the end of the season, as long as we're still there, we're still relatively healthy because everybody picks up little bumps and bruises along the way. But, you know, let's let's just be there every weekend. And then maybe towards the end, we can really start ramping up and see if we can make something out of this. But, you know, I, I really think the biggest thing for Ferrandis is let's get through a full season. You know, that's that's that, that should be the number one goal, because uh, no matter if, if, if he's happy with the, the satellite ride or he wants to go back to a factory team, it doesn't really matter if you don't have results. It's going to be very hard to, to, to do either one. So uh, consistency and, and just being there every weekend should be the goal. Absolutely, mate. There's so many guys that got just ruined their season through injury last year. So hopefully we can have a much more healthy field, both in Supercross and outdoors. It was decimated by the end there, wasn't it, mate? And, you know, another guy that we've touched on, Jason Anderson, sort of briefly, he'd be looking for a massive uptick in fortunes as well. Obviously, that 2022 was absolutely incredible. If he just pieced it together a little bit better in some of those races, he could have well been the champion. So obviously, Tomac got the job done that season and, you know, should have got a job done this season. Obviously, disaster struck for him. But watching those guys, how they sort of returned for 2024 were really cool. Obviously, JT spoke on Anderson and the bike problems. He was just sort of struggling to get that as he would have liked, which was on the previous podcast. But yeah, here's another man that he sort of maybe comes in a little bit underestimated under the radar but he'll be expecting big things he doesn't say too much to the media he sort of does his own program works away in the shadows a little bit you know doesn't like the media hugely so just to see him let the racing do the talking come a one will be pretty cool too mate because i reckon he might cause a few surprises yeah absolutely well said i mean jason anderson is is to me is a lot like uh malcolm now malcolm only raced a couple rounds in 2023 because of injury but you know Jason Anderson was having some 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 bike issues apparently. Um, obviously, I haven't talked to him. I don't know, but um, from what JT said, that was the case. I mean, in 2023, Jason Anderson had two podiums. You know, in in uh, 2022, he it looks like he was off the podium seven times. So he had ten podiums in 2022, and he had seven wins. Now you go from a guy having seven wins and ten podiums, and then you the, the very next year you only get two podiums. There's obviously something going, you know, something going on behind the scenes there that just isn't right. So you know, I, I would absolutely be willing to bet that he's looking for more, but I think we should be looking for more from him as well. I mean, I guess from all accounts, both both Jason and CNC Rulo have said that that the bike has made a step up this year, according to JT, uh, from that podcast that you referenced. Um, because that's I think that's all I do besides work on spreadsheets is listen to podcasts. Um, so I, I, from what JT said. Those guys are feeling more comfortable. I mean, let's be honest, who isn't feeling more comfortable and who isn't flying at the test track right before the season starts? But, you know, hopefully those guys are more comfortable because having Jason Anderson back at his 2022 form is only going to make the series that much better for all of us watching. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be so cool. There's so many things to it'll just be intriguing watching play out. And I guess Ken Roxon will probably come in with a lot of confidence, obviously off the WSX. And he's been racing, you know, a lot more than a lot of these guys obviously did Paris as well. So he's kind of got a little mini preseason under his belt, doesn't he, mate? And he had a really strong season. He's so happy on the Suzuki. He's got the freedom. He sort of just seems refreshed away from the HRC setup. And it'll be pretty awesome, mate. Obviously he had that main event win in Indy, which was just awesome for him and Suzuki. And looking at your stats, obviously he got fourth in the Super across season which it probably should have been third obviously he had that little injury scare as well but heat race podiums 11 heat race wins four heat race laps led 52 
which was the most in the class, mate. It was pretty interesting to see that one then main event podium six and main event laps led 33, which is the third most. And we know Kenny's a master at the starts and those sort of hard charge sprint laps. So, you know, qualifying 4.882, average heat race finish, second best, 2.428. Heat race, first lap position, 2.5, which was the second best. Main event finishes, 5.7. You'll probably want to bump that up because he's definitely a better rider than that. Obviously, a couple of issues scuppered that sort of stat. But yeah, main event, first lap position, 5.689 could definitely be improved as well. So a lot of room for excitement and improvement for Kenny, isn't there, mate? He's one of the best riders in the world. So seeing him sort of, you know, battle for wins again will just be awesome because a healthy Ken Roxon so good for the sport isn't it absolutely and you know you look at the season end stats and you get one number but then if you actually look at the season each each race in the first 12 races Kenny had two podiums in the last five races he had four so that tells me along with World Supercross and the Australian Super you know everything else that he did this year along with the one round and outdoors that he was great at because he was the only rider that actually out qualified Jet and he only did one round yeah. So, and he also led the second highest amount of laps in the outdoors and he only raced one round. So, but back to, to, to Supergrass in the first 12 rounds, he had two podiums in the last five rounds. He had four. So that tells you that he really figured something out. They, they really got the bike worked out and, you know, him being on a Suzuki, they're probably not going to make too many changes to the bike going into 2024. So he can probably roll in with a, with, with a big, you know, a large amount of confidence and in himself and the bike knowing that, you know, he really ended the season. Well, I mean, he ended it on a high, you know, four podiums in the last five rounds is, is nothing to sneeze at. That's they definitely made some great progression with the bike and, and, and it shows in the numbers. Excellent, mate. Well said, totally agree. And obviously usually with Kenny, it's kind of, he starts fast and then tapers off at the end. So that's definitely really positive. Like you were saying, finishing strongly and yeah, he just seems to be so adaptable. And like, obviously we forget about the nations too. How good was he there winning the MXGP class? So just one of the best riders ever to do it really. Like we've said, you know, the way he just adapts to different circumstances, even the SMX, that takes adaptation too. So Kenny's the man and we want to see him succeed again and have another great 2024. And I guess the two men that probably head in alongside Tomac as the favourites are Sexton and Jet Lawrence. Amazing seasons, obviously, you know, especially for Jet, just pretty much taken everything before him, hasn't he, mate? Obviously, me being an Aussie, it's awesome to see him do what he do. And obviously, Hunter, you know, he's got the dream team with his brother stepping up to the 450 after his magnificent year as well. And sort of has that shift with Sexton leaving where the relationship kind of ran its course, like JT was saying, it just wasn't ideal in the end. And it's kind of a win-win situation, KTM get they're sort of blue chip contender, legitimate title contender. And obviously HRC get the Lawrence brothers and they've got Hymas and Shimoda as well on their program. So they've sort of had a, just an incredible year as a team, HRC, and then looking to build on that. But yeah, statistics wise, riding wise, it's going to be pretty hard to sort of beat Jed on the surface. But obviously the racing's not done through the numbers as well. So it'll be just interesting to see how it plays out, won't it, mate? And A1 will give us a good little indicator. Obviously you can't, you know, win the championship. But you can certainly do some serious damage to your chances and lose it in a lot of ways. So how do you see that playing out mate do you have one that you're favoring at this point in the season or do you think jets the man and sexton and the rest will be playing catch up well i mean i'd love to say that that we you know we'll see a rookie come in and just take everything over because it would be fun to see it may not make for the greatest racing but we haven't seen that i believe in heck i can't even think um Dungey did it? to me it's it's going to be really hard for him to put together 17 rounds he's never done that before i mean that's that's really tough and grueling um you know Tomac's coming back. Uh, he looks he looks strong on videos anyway. Uh, he says he's going to be 100%. Um, that guy knows how to put championships together. So does Cooper Webb uh, back on a Yamaha. 
And this time he's not on the factory Yamaha that he didn't get along with. He's back with the star racing crew that he did get along with on the 250. Uh, so that's a completely different dynamic. He's not just going back to a Yamaha. He's going back to the team that he really likes as well. Um, Jason Anderson, you know, hopefully back to form. There's there's so many different variables there. Uh, Kenny Roxon and in the season out, out great last year. Uh, there's so many different variables that it's hard to pick one out. Um, I would say if I, if you had a gun to my head and I had to pick one guy right now, I think I'd probably go for Eli just because the guy is just such a veteran and he just, he just gets it done. Um, the great thing about, about Hunter and Jet is they've shown the same kind of mindset where, okay. And well, and they've said it countless times in interviews. Okay. A fifth is all I've got tonight. You know, that's, that's different from, from, basically all the all the other rookies that have come in they want to come in and light the world on fire which they do i'm i would bet they do but at the same time they have that maturity and that mindset of okay you know what tonight it's just not going my way i'm going to take that fifth i'm going to take that seventh place and just we'll just let it average out over the season and, and see how it goes you know i mean a one's going to be going to be a, a a big a big deal it's going to be huge it's going to be awesome to see all these guys come together for the for the first time but like you said you, you can't win it in the first round but by god you can certainly lose it you know it's 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 gonna be a long season and i just don't know if if hunter and jet the two of them really just like most people i think it may take them a year or two to really to really find that consistency over 17 rounds with only two breaks it's it's that's a hard grueling schedule yeah absolutely mate like you were saying it's a lot for them they're so young obviously maybe the youthful exuberance and that kind of just that relishing attacking any situation you know, might hold them in good stead, but there's no denying, like you said, they've had a massive schedule as well in Paris Supercross and the nation that really is a long season in America. So you wouldn't really begrudge them feeling jaded or a little bit sort of not dreading, but, you know, just sort of not coming in and peak fitness and performance for A1. So yeah, that 450 class is stacked. And if you're not sort of on the money, the other guys will certainly eat you up. So just any other sort of 450 class sort of things you'd like to touch on, mate? Obviously the field's going to be absolutely stacked. And, you know, that's probably why someone like Marchbanks doesn't mind racing 250s in Supercross because just making main events you're going to see some seriously, you know, tough battles in those LCQs just to get in. So you can see why some of that does that. But anything else quickly there, mate, before we touch on some of the 250 guys? Yeah, I mean, just just looking towards A1, you know, looking at the the spreadsheet that I sent you the other day. I mean, Ken Roxon is just mm. lights out better than anybody else at A1. I mean, uh, he's he had 74 laps led in the main events where the next best guy was... Uh, Barsha with 27. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference, yeah. you know, um, as far as wins go for, for active 450 riders, Ken has four, the next best, you know, guy with, with a record at a one is Barsha and Anderson tied with two. I mean, that's, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, he, he starts series out really well. And, and that's always been his MO, but last year he kind of flipped the script on us and he ended the season really well coming in with the same bike, the same crew, you know, look out, Ken Roxon just may just may light the uh light the candles that they want. Yeah, put the money down, mate. Let's do it. It sounds good. Kenny winning's good. So and then, you know, looking at two fifties, obviously a guy that always dominates the headlines at the moment after his really excellent, you know, proper rookie season. Hayden Deegan, mate, obviously the buzz is ramping up around him. He markets and promotes all he does so well with his dad. And the team must just be loving having him on there, mate, because he just brings so much interest. And, you know, it wasn't looking like it was going to be that good a season. You'd probably rewind a year ago and, you know, the Supercross Futures wasn't sort of panning out as he desired. And then he definitely flicked the switch come race time. And, you know, heat race podium seven, that's very impressive. Heat race wins two, heat race 
laps led 20 and then main event podium three. Obviously, you'll be just eager for that win after that SMX triumph, mate. And main event laps led was only two, which is a pretty cool number you've found out there, mate. And obviously, you qualified pretty well. And the heat race finishes were solid. Heat race, first lap position, 3.1. Main event average finish was fifth. And then looking ahead, what are your expectations for Deegan? You know that he wants to win that title, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we don't know who's going to ride which coast. So, you know, that. It's a, it's, it's top secret. Nobody can share the information, you know, it's, so it's, it's kind of dumb in my opinion that way, but it is what it is. We all got to just kind of live, live with it and wait till two days before to know who we're going to see race. But honestly, I think, you know, get the Lawrence's out of that class. Who else do you got? You got RJ Hampshire. You got Joe Shimoda. You got Nate Thrasher. Hymas, Jordan Smith. I mean, you got a lot of, a lot of. Hitchin, Faulkner. So many. Yeah. Well, and, and Fortner was the only guy to out-qualify Jet last year in Supercross. Other mm. uh, other than A1, Jet Lawrence qualified first in every round. It was only Fortner that beat him. So, you know, there's there's a lot of experience there, you know, that 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 Hayden has to go up against. And and Hayden obviously has the talent. He's obviously got the work ethic. You know, he, he has a he has a decent mindset. You know, it's just let's just see put put another season together that's going to be the big thing for everybody and i mean again he he showed maturity he showed you know everything he needs to do to put a season together let's just try it the second time out and, and see if we get a better result yeah and obviously the speed's undeniable with him but what really stuck out to me when i was writing some articles and doing some you know looking at your stats as well was just how his consistency in his lap times degans was just so good he hardly ever dropped he was always at that level so you know you can't cheat that fitness and the stamina and the staying power he has which obviously he's building on he's so young still so it'll be pretty cool to see him he'll be even more of a formidable force and we saw what he did in both arenas so yeah watching the Deegan show roll on will be pretty awesome but yeah the 250 class you feel like it especially with the Lawrence brothers out of there in Supercross it'll feel like it could be a different winner each week couldn't it mate obviously Enzo Lopes going to the star team he did some great rides on the Club MX team last year really took a step forward and yeah a lot of guys that have suffered injuries you obviously got your McAdoo's Faulkner's and even Volan seeing what he does on that Kawasaki super talented ride just didn't seem that happy with the KTM like Bial had his issues with the KTM as well here looking for a step but yeah you mentioned some of those star guys obviously Thrasher and Styles Robertson Benick Romano there's just so much talent Ryder D and Brown on the gas gas so like those classes are stacked and even from the European perspective someone like Ferez on the Husky obviously showed what he can do at Star Yamaha on that little hit out last year and yeah where do you sort of end the list as goes on and from a UK perspective, seeing Max Anstey get another race win would be pretty awesome too, mate. So I reckon the 250 classes, both sides of the pond will be pretty interesting, mate, because it should just be so unpredictable and sort of thrill a minute racing and who knows who wins. You wouldn't want to be a gambling man putting money down, would you? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, if you take the Lawrences out of it, there was only six other wins that, you know, that went to any other rider in the 250 class last year. And and I mean, you know, the there was never there was never a podium without a Lawrence brother on it. I mean, you know, it's we get those two guys out of the way and, and and this series really becomes a lot more exciting for that, you know, for that championship run because everybody has their issues. Everybody has little, you know, off nights, you know, it's I mean, RJ Hampshire has the speed, but, you know, he's going to have those one or two races where, you know, something's going to go wrong. Um, Pierce Brown, he, he's so great. He's so fast, uh, but he's he's got those tip overs that he has, you know, and any rider you want to take from that list they've all got their little issues here and there at least once per season, which, I mean, that just happens, but you know, it's, it didn't seem to happen to the Lawrence brothers. So we'll just have to see how everybody else can clean everything up and, and, you know, see who can be the most consistent guy at the end of the year. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. Obviously, they're not at the season veteran status and, you know, not everyone's like Jet Lawrence. So to manage situations and remain so calm and composed, things get pretty wild in the heat of the battle for those guys. And you're going to see that inconsistency, which obviously we don't want to see injuries, but we just want to see great racing and just different winners all the time. And those teams... They're just fighting it out every week and the youngsters want their bonuses, mate. And they're sort of like quite aggressive and they don't mind putting on the line for the money and just to, you know, build their names in the sport. So it's going to be so good, that 250 class. I think you'll be in for a treat come A1 for sure. And is there any other 250 guys you'd like to discuss? And another thing, being an American yourself, I'd love to get your take on the whole motocross nations drama. You know, obviously they struggled to field that team, but luckily the KTM group and the Husky guys stepped up and got the team. They valiantly, you know, formed for their country. Obviously it wasn't the weekend. They wanted as defending champions after that memorable day in Redbud last year. But just your take on that, mate. It was awesome there was a team there because you need America there, especially defending it. But hopefully that was just a one-off with all the team changes and so much going on in the background. And it'd be pretty awesome to see him come out with a, you know, complete strong team of, say, Tomac, Deegan, Sexton and Madeley based in the UK. It'd be pretty amazing what that would look like if it's possible, mate. But these SMX races extending the season out definitely throws a spanner in the works too, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and and you know, I'm I'm extremely grateful to those guys that stepped up. I mean, Christian Craig didn't race that motorcycle in the you know in the outdoors at all. He he'd only ever he had only ever had experience racing Supercross, so for him to step up and 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 carry that torch was awesome. One thing that I that I haven't heard very many people talk about, you know, I've heard people say, oh, you know, you have to go. It's 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 your you know it's your duty to your country. It's this. It's that. It's well, hang on. This is how, you know, these guys don't make money for this. And yeah, you know, whatever, you know, money is what it is. Yeah, you should go ride for your country, but their careers, their, their, their whole lifeline, what they do for a living is supercross, motocross, and SMX. They only have a very short window to take a break. So if you throw in um, motocross of nations, these guys really don't get a break at all. And yeah, I understand it's your duty, you know, ride for your country. Okay. But you got to think everybody else, all the MXGP guys, they finish their series, they go to MX of nations. Then they've got like five months before the series picks up again. So they, it's a lot easier for those guys to, to go ahead and put a couple extra work weeks worth of work in, put a, put a little bit more testing in to go do that because they know they still have a break ahead. Now, I'm not trying to make any excuses for anybody because I think we should send the best guys every year. I, you know, I'm just not going to condemn anybody for wanting that break. I think that's a very important break, especially for the longevity of guys' careers. You know, these guys are working so hard week in and week out. I mean, they are obviously professional athletes, so they are working their butts off to make sure that they stay in shape. You know, they stay on the on the tip of the spear. They need a little bit of time off, like JT said about about Hunter and Jet, where he's really worried that they didn't get that break that they need. Well, all these guys need that break. It's not just you know, it, it, it's not just one or two guys here and there. It's every single guy on that gate needs that break so they can have a, a nice reset before the next year. Give their bodies a, a break more than anything. I mean, you train that hard day in and day out. If you start stringing years together without breaks, that's why we see guys retire early. You know, it's just. It's just a little bit too much to just never have a break. They need some kind of little sliver of a break. And and I think that's what, what, what a lot of people are forgetting about is that, you know, these guys go right back into their next season on Jan- in January. So that means, you know, 
at the latest, the beginning, the beginning of November, they're back on their road bikes. They're back in the gym, which they probably never left. They're probably still doing, you know, slower rides or easier rides, shorter rides, even, even when they're taking a break. But, you know, beginning of, of November at the latest, these guys are back in boot camp, really, really, I mean, hammering it hard. So if they're not getting done until the second or third week of October, that doesn't leave much time for a break. That doesn't leave much time for these guys to really rest and recuperate. Um, I, there was a few years where we moved uh, the motocross the nations into, you know, into the season, um, the MXGP season, that is. Um, maybe, maybe we could see something like that where, where in between motocross and SMX, we maybe we could put it there. You know, just something a little bit different to make it easier on these guys. Um, I can't speak for the MXGP guys because I I know it, it sucks to have that that extra risk in the middle of a series. Nobody wants to have that extra risk, you know, th those extra starts that could take them out of a championship. But, you know, that's I think that that reason right there where there's our guys just don't get a break or or a much more abbreviated break because of going to the motocross of nations, I think that's the reason why you see a lot of guys turn it down because, you know, yeah, a little bit, maybe the money, there's no money to make, you know, they have to pay money out of their own pockets. I don't think that really means a ton. I think it's more, these guys just know that their bodies and their minds need a break and, and they just need to step away much like JT was talking about with the Lawrence brothers. Yeah. It's a grueling and such a demanding schedule, obviously on top of, like you were saying, the training loads that they have to do, the travel is just so grueling, isn't it? It's just sort of always new places, always new stadiums, always elevating the risk of something happening with in terms of sickness. And obviously their immune systems would be running, you know, right on the limit a lot of the time. And obviously they don't have a lot of body fat and there's so many factors that can go into it. And, you know, they're just machines and you can't sort of expect them to keep doing it and doing it year after year. And they're like, perfectly said like you see guys retire early and guys sort of change tack with their careers and do a supercross only program and that definitely bears fruit and is a legitimate sort of career path you're seeing guys like brayton wilson's on that framework even roxon's sort of starting to become that way too so just a couple of thoughts We've got a couple more questions here mate just on wsx aussie sx it's great for the fans to obviously have that racing when the main heavy hitting series of mxgp and the american stuff isn't on so it's cool for the riders cool for the teams just to have you know those opportunities to make some money doing what they love and also to spread the you know message in those countries as well and grow the sport of supercross across the world and in places like australia so your take on those two series too mate yeah no i, I think that's really awesome to, to, to give riders uh, just a different choice to make money a, a little different choice you know like uh like dean wilson or justin brayton where they're getting a little bit older you know motocross and really too, obviously up. Yeah, yeah, and Anstey, where you know the, the guys, the guys are just getting a little bit older. Uh, not doing outdoors, you know, prolongs their career, gives them gives them an, another avenue to go make money, make a living, and and really stay in the sport. Um, you know, Justin Brayton wasn't out winning Supercrosses in the last couple of years. In, in fact, in four fifties, he only won Daytona once that one year. Uh, but but his his draw and his attraction was his personality, was the way he carried himself, um, just his professionalism. And to be able to 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 share that with with you know other audiences and 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 really uplift other series is awesome because it you know the more series we have the more rides we have the more money can be made and the more riders that can make the money um, and then the other thing that that I love about this is you take guys like Justin Brayton Dean Wilson Max Anstey uh, even Josh Hill was over in Australia uh, uh, Robbie Wageman yep. it gives 
these guys from say Australia, it gives them something to kind of gauge themselves against. Like, am I, do I really have a shot at getting over to America? You know, it, it gives them a spotlight to say, Hey guys, look at me. I battled with him. You know, I put up a good fight with, with this guy and he's already making money. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, it really does give, like I said, it, it's not just giving people more riders, more ways to make money and, and more rides to go get. It's also just, I think, raising the bar for everybody else because it's it's giving these other riders something to shoot for, something to aim at. You know, the Australian guys, you know, maybe can't get over to America, but they can see that pace now. So they get to ride with Max. They get to ride with Dino. They get to ride with Brayton, and they can see that pace. So it gives those guys something to shoot for. It gives them, okay, now I see it. That's the speed that those guys are going Okay, awesome. Now, now I know what I need to go go for. Now I know what I need to to aim for to to really put myself on that level with everybody else and 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 really give them a a better shot because these guys really deserve a, a much better shot. Because I mean, there's so many great riders out there that just don't get the type of publicity that they should get because they're not in you know in America under the lights on the cameras, you know. So now it, it it takes more eyes off of America and and has them look over there and go wow there are really some great riders over there you know I mean there's just there's so much talent outside of America in Supercross that it just they just need to have eyes on them you know definitely raises the level and it's just great exposure for obviously the sports in those countries and the riders too and yeah the Aussie guys they you know you said there's an argument that we shouldn't have you know international guys over but a lot of the riders I've spoken to they're like yeah bring them over we need to see where the level is and where we need to be and where we need to make improvements. And, you know, you look at some of the guys and they just want to watch Max Anstey and Dean Wilson through those whoops and Brayton and Hill because that's just where they make up so much time and just any of the finer details, the finer margins here and there all sort of combines to make a massive difference to the whole lap and the whole package and then your main event results. And obviously it's going to be awesome seeing Tanty over there full-time doing 450 Supercross this year. So that just sort of speaks to what you were saying there as well, mate. So there's just so much good racing to enjoy over the globe and so many cool stats that you compile and produce for us that, you know, the fans can sort of enjoy as well. And we can all just, you know, get that further insight into the sport and what are the key difference makers and where riders are sort of finishing up, mate. So it's been awesome to get you on and have a chat, mate. And a couple more to sort of any advice to anyone that wants to get into stats and just sort of where would you start? What are the, you know, any sort of words of advice? Because obviously it's all based on hard work and love of the sport but there's probably a few technical details that people would want to consider as well. Well, I mean, I, there's only one way to start and that's just to, you know, pick up Excel and just start, start working. I mean, play around with, with different formats. I mean, the way I got into it is, you know, I was trying to find a, a better job with less manual labor and I knew Microsoft Excel was a program that I had to learn. So I just, I went out and I bought an online course to learn it and just started playing around with it, started, started building things. And, you know, it's, there's nothing, the only thing wrong that you can do is input incorrect data. That's the only thing wrong that you can do. You know, you, you can have a million different formats. You can have, you know, a million different writers, a million different series. The only thing that you can do incorrectly is put the wrong information into that spreadsheet. And so it's just, 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 you know, just get started and just know that, it it doesn't happen very quickly. Um, <laughs> it takes a lot of it takes a lot of time. Um, you know, it's 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 a completely different uh, type of hard work. You know, I'm 
I'm in the construction industry, so I associate hard work with shoveling and swinging a sledgehammer and welding and, you know, but I'm sitting here typing away at my computer going, okay, you know, maybe I was wrong when I said that people that work in an office don't work hard, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it can be grueling. I mean, there's days where I sit at my laptop staring at a computer screen for 15 hours straight and it, your eyes really start to hurt and your fingers start to hurt and your back hurts and, you know, it, you stand up and you, all your joints creak and and knock and bang and you you know you look like you're 95 years old trying to walk across <laughs> the living room you know so it's uh it's it just just know that if you really want to do something with it and you really want to build build something that has a lot of information uh, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of work yeah yeah it sort of doesn't happen overnight there's no sort of real secrets is there mate it's just hard work and dedication and you know following your passion it's got to be sort of fueled by passion and motivated you know to what you love doing so that's really cool insight, mate. And before we let you go, any sort of final thoughts on the racing and just where can all the fans, you know, follow you on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I'm sure. And obviously, yeah, we'll keep promoting the work and we really appreciate all you do. And yeah, just shout out to any of your family, friends that all make it happen to your dad, whoever, mate. It's pretty cool hearing your story. And we just really appreciate and the fans love what you do, mate. So keep up the good work. Yeah, no, I guess uh, the biggest thing is I just have to say I'm, I'm really appreciative of a, of a very patient and understanding wife. <laughs> she she allowed me to set up my desk in our living room and I've taken one whole corner where I've got I've got calendars and I've got you know different different spreadsheets and different things hanging on the wall of our living room and you know it, she just kind of deals with it and, and lets me lets me log in all these hours so I guess that's the maybe that's the other the other key point that I should have made is is, is make sure that you if you have a partner make sure they're very understanding and patient <laughs> uh, because <laughs> My wife hasn't gone out to dinner. She hasn't. Uh, she hasn't had any vacations. She hasn't had anything, and it's, a lot of that is because we we just don't normally do that stuff. But it's also because you know I, I look at my wife and go, I don't know if we can go to that party this weekend because uh, you know I've got Supercross, I've got Australian Supercross, uh, you know I've got SMX, you know <laughs> I've I really have to input this data and 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 make sure I get the updated sheets and everything to to Ed for his podcast and 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 the stat articles and. I'm just not sure. I I don't think I can take four hours out of my Saturday for that, honey. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, mate, we don't want you affecting your life to do any stats, mate. So you've got to sort of find the balance. And I'm sure you're probably doing a pretty good job of that as well, mate. That's pretty key as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yesterday we, we went and, and had a nice Christmas party with, with all of her workmates. So, yeah, we, we have found a bit of a balance. You know, it's just, uh, man, it's it, it's definitely a lot of definitely a lot of work. But, man, it's it, it's very rewarding at the end. Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, we're certainly grateful for all you do, mate. And yeah, it's such a busy schedule. We've been trying to line up this podcast for a few months. So it's awesome. We finally got it done, mate. So thanks again for taking the time to chat to us. And before we let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors for this one in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, Whole Shop Motorhomes, and of course, Even Strokes for all the incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, thanks again, Paul. All the best. Have an excellent Christmas with the family, mate, and enjoy A1. It's sure to be a belting weekend of action, and we look forward to speaking soon in the future when we can get you on. Absolutely, anytime. Thank you very much for all you've done for me and, and, and having me on the podcast. Anytime I can make it happen, I'll be glad to. Pleasure, mate. All the best, and look forward to speaking again.